I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, there's an 80-year-old couple, and they were having problems remembering things. So they decided to see their doctor and see if there's anything that is wrong with them. And so they, uh, they saw the doctor, and he told, told them their memory problems they've been having. And after the, the checkup, the doctor says, well, uh, they're physically fine, but they might want to start writing things down to help them remember things. And so they thanked the doctor and left. And later that night, they were watching TV, and the old man gets up from his chair. Where are you going, asks his wife. To the kitchen, he replies. Well, would you get me a bowl of ice cream, she asks. Sure, he says. She says, maybe you should write it down so you remember. She says, I'll remember, he says. Well, I would also like strawberries on top. You had better write that down because I, I know you'll forget. She says, I can remember that. <laughs> you want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries. I would also like whipped cream on top, she said. I know you forget that, so you better write it down. Well, hopping man, he says, I don't need to write that down. I would remember just fine. And he turns into the kitchen to get the food. Well, about 20 minutes later, he returns from the kitchen and hands her a plate of bacon and eggs. She stares at the plate for a moment and says, you forgot my toast. <laughs> Remembering, yeah, sometimes Betty Lou is concerned about me because I think many of us get to these moments where sometimes... We, uh, we, we have no idea why I walked into this room or what I'm doing. And, but, but memory and remembering things, it, it's exceptionally important for us. It's, uh, uh, it, it helps keep us on task with, with who we are and what we've been. And, and when, we, when we miss vital stats or, or, or important facts, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating on some level. And, and it as well is, is something that, orients us in, in terms of our faith. One of the things, and I'm reading this book called Preaching as Reminding, and that the, the essential element of this book by Jeff Arthurs is that when we bring the Word of God to the people on a, on a Sunday or Saturday or whenever it is, uh, our, our main task for, for most of our congregation is to remind them of the things that they already know. Because there's nothing that's really new out there that's going to blow us back. And if there's something that's really new and novel, it's probably false. <laughs> but being reminded of the things that we already know. And so we come to the scriptures again and again. And, and many of you have read the scriptures over and over and over. And yet, coming to the gammon, coming to a passage and, and being, well, reminded, this is what God says to us about living faithfully with him, about being challenged with him. And we have been looking at the book of Hebrews over these last several weeks and months. And, and the, the author of the book of Hebrews is, is giving all kinds of reminders to people with a Jewish background about what God had been doing all through the Old Testament. That God has been setting things up to help them to see who he was, to be reconciled, to be rejoined with him. And there's all kinds of ways he did that. There were angels, and there was Moses who brought the law, and then there was high priests that served between the people and God, and, and there were sacrifices they did to, to take care of sin because the, the shedding of the blood necessitated was necessary for, for the forgiveness of sins to happen. He, he goes through all these things, but as he does that, 
he's reminding them as well, you know Jesus. And you know that with all these things, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than all of them. He's better than angels. He's better than what Moses did and what Joshua accomplished in his rest and what the high priest would do in standing before the people. Because as the Son of God, he did it all. And he accomplished and fulfilled everything in a way that was better. doesn't mean the angels were bad or Moses was bad. He's not saying they're bad, but Jesus is so much better. Because what he accomplishes once and for all brings us to a place before God where we can approach him, and we looked at this in our, in our last passage, we can approach with confidence the throne of grace. And that is his reminder for us to, to walk faithfully with God, to know him, to, to see him in our lives. And as we continue, he has much to say about continuing to remember uh, Jeff Arthurs in his book says it, it's important for us to remember who you are and whose you are. And it's important to not forget where you came from and where you are going. And as we look at these passages, that's this essential element as followers of Jesus for us. To remember who we were. And where we're going. But also to whom we belong. Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And starting in verse 26. uh, A difficult passage, certainly. Um, Similar even to to chapter 6. And and as it deals with uh, the sinfulness of mankind. but, But again, brings us to this idea of remembering who we are. And why that's important. And. So, Hebrews chapter 10, I will be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version today. Verse 26. For if we willfully persist in sin, after having received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by those who have spurned the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified, and outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, now there's your happy, happy, joy, joy passage to come across. Uh, uh, it's not. It's, uh, it's a passage that's, that's severe, and, and, and it talks about judgment, and, and we, we tend not to want to have anything to do with that. So we we want to talk about the love of God through Jesus and, 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 and the happy thoughts, and, and, and your passages come like this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and oh, this is about as harsh as it gets, other than some of the words that Jesus says to people who think that they're above the law and and looking down on others. But as we come to this passage, and and again, we're following up from the passage we looked at two weeks ago where, where he talks about the opportunities that we have because of what Jesus has done. Uh, these 10 chapters that precede us have built Jesus up to the point where, where we can boldly and with confidence approach God 
And so let us approach the throne of grace. Let us, uh, let us follow him. Let us know him. Let us stand firm in our faith. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meaning to another, but let us encourage one another. These are all the things that he is saying as a result of what Jesus has done. But as we get to that point, check our hearts as well is, is, his, is his interjection here. He kind of says, all right, hold on. Because there's many who at some point in their lives and in the, in the experience of the life of the church have faced hardships or come to places where they said, I, you know what? I don't want nothing to do this, with this anymore. I am rejecting this totally. Uh, interesting the phraseology he starts here. I, again, really coming after this idea of, of encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching in verse 25 and then he says, for if we willfully persist in sin after having received the knowledge, he begins to talk about what it means for those who turn their backs on God. And now the church has struggled with this passage. They've struggled with this passage for centuries and centuries. In fact, at one point, people were delaying their baptism until right before they knew they were going to die because they didn't want to violate having been baptized and then sinned after it because of this passage. And those who were going into ministry who had to be baptized before they could be ordained, they were waiting to do that, their baptism, until just before their ordination because, again, for this fear that I'm going to blow it and I'm going to find myself on the other side of God. And... I think, I think all the while missing things he's even said earlier. We, we looked in chapter 5 as he describes the high priest. He says one of the things that the high priest is able to do, and this is in chapter 5, verse 2, is, is he's able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness and because he must offer his own sacrifice for his own sins. Uh, uh, there's this acknowledgement that, that, that there's, there's falling astray and, and, and there's sin that, that each of us as believer, believers continue to go through, that, that this, is, this is not good, but it's not the level of thing that, that he's addressing here. George Guthrie in his commentary writes about this idea of the deliberateness or this persistent desire, willful persistence, is, is a willing participation in an actin, action done with a clear mind and a firm step, almost as saying, I, this is wrong, and I'm going to do it, and I'm really going to do it, because I want nothing to do with this God, with his morals, with whatever he says is right. It is high-handed rebellion, and and even a public renouncing or a leaving of the community of faith. So, so this is not your, 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 your garden variety of sin that he's talking about. It is someone who is saying, no, I seen what your son did on behalf of mankind. I want nothing to do with it. He reminds them of all that Jesus has done, the sacrifice that he's made, the, the work that he's done, the spirit of grace that has gone on behalf of mankind. And, and it is... And as if they are spitting at that and says, don't give me any of that. I want nothing to do with it. And at the end of this passage, he reminds them, it's, it's a fearful or a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. 
Now we who are, are, are people of faith, we, we, we look forward and anticipate being with God. We come here to enjoy the presence of God, to lift Him up and to, to worship Him because of who He is. And, and yet to, to be on, on the wrong side of Him, to be in opposition to Him, it's dreadful. It's scary enough for those who are wanting to follow God to encounter him. If we look in scriptures, we see that people who have interactions with God fall on their knees. And they say, I am not worthy. Isaiah, when he gets this picture, this vision of the throne room of God in Isaiah 6, he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and needs God's restoration. When when Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 encounters the angel in the temple, he is fearful, even though the angel says, do not be afraid. It's awesome. And if there's things in our life that are not right, and if we are in opposition against this God, his reminder is, It's dreadful to be in that position. Heed these warnings. If you think that in the things that you're enduring and going through, that of of hanging it all up, don't do this. Uh, The circumstances likely that he's referring to for the people of the Hebrews is uh, probably in the mid-40s, many of them would have been in Rome where where Claudius, the emperor, uh, cast out the Jews and the Christians. and, And many of them would have lost everything that they had. And even if they'd gone back to their homes, they would have found them destroyed and, and, and pillaged. Uh, they would have lost everything. And, and, and some were tempted to say, is this, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? Well, the, the author here is saying, yeah. Because what well, we need to remember What has happened? Verse 32. But recall, or remember, those earlier days when after you had have been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not, therefore, abandon that confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and are so are lost but among those who have faith and so are saved. Uh, The antidote to this abandoning our faith in God is this idea of being reminded, of remembering what it is that God has done in our lives, of of the ways and the manners that we've seen him work and act before. Uh, uh, This word remember I've intentionally put a hyphen in there just to, to, to focus on the two parts of it because there's another word we use with the word member, uh, dismember. If something is dismembered, it's a, a violence taking one piece out of another. 
to remember is then on some level to, 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 to take the things that we know have occurred and, and, and bring them back uh, right into the midst of our conscience and know what has happened and to be able to construe them and construct them with understanding what God has seen us through in the past. Uh, that's what he's talking about here. Remember, you've gone through things before. You've gone through difficulties before. God has been with you. God got you through those circumstances. Some of you were ridiculed because of your faith. Some of you lost your possessions and your homes because of it. But you recognized that God was still in the midst of that. And you hung on to your faith. And that's the power of remembering. God has done a work in your life. Uh, if you've come to faith in him, uh, you, you, you've come to a point where you said, yes, I believe that the things that I was pursuing before I no longer pursue, but now I follow the Lord Jesus. And that's made a change in who you are. It's made a change in who you are fundamentally, and, and you're standing before God. You stand as a, as a person forgiven, free, and a, a child of God, and, and you are in the midst of being changed, your character, your life, the, 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 the attitudes that you have. You are being reformed or refined, or the churchy word is sanctified, to be made better. Even though we're made completely whole by the, the, the blood of the Lord Jesus, our lives and actions eventually catch up to that. This is the process of sanctification. And, and part of learning that is to remember what God has seen you through before. You have gone through difficult things, and God has been with you. For the church that the, the author is writing to here, They've endured hardship. And he lists some of those things and reminds him, you got through that because you had in mind something bigger and better that was to come. That the possessions that you hang on to today that, that you lost in, in, in the past, uh, you realize there's something greater. And the promise that comes through the Lord Jesus of the life that is to come, the, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem that is to come, when the second coming of Jesus appears and, and he sets things to right, we look for in a world where justice seems to reign, for God to set things to right, for God to bring about justice and righteousness again in our world. And, and that's the thing that we look forward to, anticipate it. It is uh, in that last passage from A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, uh, that's the reminder. Verse 4 goes this way. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And that's the picture of what he's getting at here. We understand by faith that we are looking at more than just this life. We recognize our bodies will, will, will decay, that we will die, but that there is more to this life than that. And being connected with God himself 
is the thing that we anticipate. When he sets things to right, that's what we're looking for. And, and the power of remembering, of, of putting things in our lives back together again and, and recognizing God's at work. I've seen him at work in my life before, and I anticipate what he's going to continue to do in my life to come. That's my faith. That's my hope. And something that he is doing and is walking through. We may think that these things are not part of this world, of of the things that we may go through. But I I get this newsletter from Open Doors. It's a ministry serving Christians worldwide, particularly those who are being persecuted. And and, uh, from their February newsletter, uh, this is part of his writing. An explosion is not the sound anyone wants to wake up to. But when it happened one morning to Yomana and her mother, Yankirk, they knew ISIS had finally come to their hometown of Karakosh, Iraq. Quickly packing their essentials, they left their home, praying to God their house and belongings would be protected. They fled to a neighboring city and tried to resume a normal life, but in their hearts they hoped to return to Karakosh. After many long, term, after many long months, they did return, but not to the same home they had left behind. Their house and all their possessions had been ransacked or destroyed. A cross belonging to Yankirk had been broken into four pieces. They had escaped with their lives, but they had still lost more than many of us can imagine. The state of the church in the Middle East is serious. The numbers of Christians there, particularly in Iraq and Syria, is decreasing. There's an impact that is happening. But the church goes on. And it's into the midst of that that the hope of the Lord Jesus continues to come. A couple of months ago, we were, we were talking about the situation of our brothers and sisters in China who were facing uh, persecution and the loss of, of, of rights and even imprisonment. And, and the prayer of the older Christians was that the younger ones who had not endured persecution before that they would remain faithful because the older ones had seen this and they'd walked through this and they know that God is faithful even through this. That's the power of memory to get us through, to keep us going and the difficult things that are going on around us or coming before us to remember God is there. God knows what's going on. And he knows where I am. And I look forward to this new life. And so whatever happens here, faithfully, I can still walk with him. At the end of the passage, he he has a quotation from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is in the Old Testament. It is one of the minor prophets, minor in that, that it is smaller than the major prophets, which are longer pieces of work. And, and, and in, in the book of Habakkuk, the, the prophet, he cries out to the Lord because he looks around his community and his, his country and, and sees wickedness and, and, and evil going on. And, and he says, Lord, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. And, and God says, Yep, you're right. And I got a plan. I'm going to take the 
Babylonians, and they're going to come and overrun the land, and, and, uh, and they're going to take people into exile. And so I'm going to take care of that. And Habakkuk's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? The Babylonians? Are you kidding me? They're worse than we are. How could you possibly use them to cleanse us? They're horrible. God, this is not right at all. And, and God says, they are my chosen instrument. And if they exceed what they are to do, they will be punished as well. But they are my chosen instrument. And, and Habakkuk gets to this place where he acknowledges the work of the Lord. And, and, and in the midst of this argument is this, is this, is this verse and this, this concept that, that Paul latches onto and he inserts it at the end of chapter 1 of Romans. And, and it, we, we see it come out again and again. And, and, and in it is this essential thing for living the life but my righteous one will live by faith. The righteous by faith shall live. And in there are, are the, the cues to this life we live. We come into this life by faith in what God has done on our behalf. The, the life we come to, we get to by faith, but how we live it here, even every day, is by, is by faith. That's how we get through. And a world that wants to see and hold and have. So you got to show me exactly what's going to happen. We say, well, I can't do that. I trust in the Lord that we cannot see. In an action that happened 2,000 years ago on my behalf, and that the spirit that lives within me and, and, and continues to communicate me, for people who want to have everything settled and in a box, that's hard. But that's what we live. Because we believe in God. We believe in what he's done and what he's accomplished through the Lord Jesus. And we remember the gospel stories of what God has done. We remember the Old Testament stories of how God has been with his people. And we remember the things in the life of the church where God has allowed them to endure the suffering and persecution, and in many instances, thriving, and the message exploding. Why? Because of God. Because of what He can do, not because of what we can do. We remember who we are, and we remember whose we are. And we must not forget where we've come from and where we're going. By bringing these backs together, we can walk faithfully whatever comes before us. Let's stand for closing prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you this morning and, and again facing a uh, Challenging, difficult passages. Things sometimes we don't want to deal with. And yet on other levels, we, we need to know that you're out there and that's the wickedness that's in this world you, you have a response to. How this all fits together, we, we're not sure. What's going to happen next in our lives, we're not sure. But you've called us to remember 
what you've done in the past. And so we lean on that. Help our memories to think through what you have done, what you have gotten us through, what you've gotten your church through, so that we can continue to hold on to the confidence that we have, the boldness that we can have to approach you because of our, our brother Jesus and what he's done on our behalf. Spirit of God, guide us and direct us. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.